Welcome to Cybersecurity On Call, where we discuss the trends, get perspectives, and find tips for cybersecurity professionals. I'm your host, TJ Lair from Cloudera. On call today will be Eddie Garcia, Cloudera's Chief Information Security Officer. But first, let's look at what's happening in the world of cybersecurity. Staying ahead of compliance regulations is not a trivial task, since regulations constantly change. The compliance regulation du jour, if you will, is the General Data Protection Regulation, otherwise known as GDPR. GDPR is hot on everyone's mind as it's becoming enforceable on May 25th of 2018. After that day, organizations will need to adhere to the regulation or face a steep fine. This fine could total 4% of your overall revenue, or 20 million euros. This regulation would apply to any organization that currently does business with any European citizen. But what's really interesting about the compliance regulation is that EU citizens will now have the power of data privacy put back in their own hands. Instead of organizations hiding behind a privacy policy at the bottom of every form, organizations now have to give their EU citizens the right to be forgotten, meaning that if the customer asks the organization to delete their information, the organization has to legally abide. To discuss how organizations can meet GDPR regulations while balancing data privacy in the big data era, we've invited Eddie Garcia to join us. Eddie is Cloudera's Chief Information Security Officer, where he helps Cloudera and Cloudera customers reduce security and compliance risks associated with sensitive data sets stored in Hadoop and big data environments. He was formerly the VP of InfoSec and Engineering for Gazang prior to its acquisition by Cloudera. He was the chief architect of the Gazang ZN Encrypt product and is the author of four issued and provisional patents for data security. Eddie, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, great to be here. Thank you. Awesome. So let's jump right into the conversation. If you could just give our audience a little insight of the current compliance landscape around GDPR, that'd be fantastic. Sure. So um, some EU countries uh, like Germany already had very strict uh, privacy laws, and they're much closer to understanding how to comply with GDPR. But uh, other countries in and outside of the EU will have more work ahead of them to understand how GDPR specifically expects them and the data they collect and how they're going to remedi- remediate any uh, compliance gaps. Uh, US-based companies that had been working with customers in Germany can basically think of all EU companies now demanding the same or stricter privacy requirements. Uh, what the GDPR will do is create a standardized framework Whereas in the past, different countries would have varying laws and regulations with different interpretation. And now uh, this is creating a more level uh, playing field where everyone understands what are the rules around data privacy for EU individuals. That's fantastic. So it's getting everybody on the same page around the same data security features that they need to adhere to. Is that correct? Yes, uh, that's what it's uh, doing. It's forcing that, whereas in the past, uh, there was a little bit more vagueness uh, to interpretation of the EU directive. This is much more clear and adds additional protections that didn't exist before. Got it. So while I'm an EU citizen, I'm probably extremely happy about this. While I'm an EU organization, I, I obviously have some some risks I need to start thinking about. Uh, so, so, Eddie, from your perspective, how does GDPR intersect with big data? 
So companies using big data to gain new insights on their customers, maybe today aggregating data for new purposes that may not necessarily been consented to. With the new GDPR principles of accountability, companies now need to have well-documented consent catalogs to demonstrate that all personal data being processed in their big data platform has been consented to. So that's something really new, and that's one of the major things that big data uh, platform users need to take into account, that while you used to take data from different sources, mix them together, that makes it a lot harder to trace it back to where the source came from and making sure that that new purpose, that new insight is has been consented to. And in a clear way, as the GDPR requires it to do, to be done. Uh, then you also have some other additional new um, rights for data subjects, uh, like a right to access or data portability or right to be forgotten. This may create challenges for organizations that may aggregate this data in formats that makes it difficult to isolate the data for one individual person that needs to that has requested that their data be transferred or deleted. For example, if you store one gigabyte file with logs of activity of hundreds or thousands of users, how do you just delete the rows for one individual when HDFS does not allow you to delete data uh, within rows within a file. So this is just one example of how the big data platform may have some additional challenges that uh, you wouldn't find in maybe other uh, platforms where it's easier to just go identify and delete uh, that one particular row. This, when we're talking about big data, that's a sometimes a more difficult challenge. No, that's that sounds like a lot. And I know you just... Uh... Uh, you know, this is the tip of the iceberg there in terms of examples. I'm sure it gets a lot more complex, a lot quicker. Uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of folks on the line, they might be a big data expert. Uh, they're not lawyers. So, so I, you know, just a, a question for you, partnering as a big data expert with legal, is that just critical in making sure that you're adhering to these, these uh, new compliance regulations? Does that relationship need to become stronger as people, uh, you know, start getting closer and closer to that May date? Oh, absolutely. And um, what the GDPR also requires, kind of thinking in those terms, is what is a data protection officer. So a DPO is typically that point of contact goes in between legal and the business owners to understanding what are the legal requirements, ramifications, and being able to uh, assess the risk for any particular system and defining the roadmap towards compliance. I mean, if you're talking about organizations that have been collecting personal data for years and years, and some off, some offline, some in backups, uh, it, you know, you need to start first with your data higher risk and bring it into compliance. So that's something that between the business systems and legal need to be totally, fully engaged and on board. I know I have unsubscribed from uh, marketing emails before and then received the same email right after that. And I know if I was an EU citizen and GDPR was in effect, that would be a uh, class action lawsuit against that company. Uh, so, so everybody needs to be you know, uh, thinking about how their department uh, is interacting with customer data for, for when you know, folks want to uh, remove their information or want to access their, their customer information. So it's really, really interesting. The, the legal aspect of that is extremely complex as well, not just from a technology perspective. But I want to drill into 
the technology stuff just for a second. You know, you've obviously spoken with you know hundreds of customers and enterprises trying to transition their big data platform and meet these uh, GDPR compliance regulations. W- what are people uh, doing to solve the GDPR and data privacy issues uh, today? Yeah, so there's a main common starting point for everyone, and that is to inventory all data collected and process. And building a catalog which contains that uh, identifies which may contain personal data. And now with the new regulation, maybe even IP addresses that can be personally identifying. That's something that's new as before. IP addresses may uh, not may have not been considered uh, personal identifying, uh, now they do. So if you can uh, tie back an IP address to an individual that is now personal data, and now you need to apply the same rules and regulations around protecting that data as as you would a social security number or a driver's license number. So uh, starting first with the inventory and catalog, going through all systems, whether it's in your big data platform, the original sources, and even your vendors. So sometimes, you know, people say, well, you know, uh, AWS has my data or this other vendor has my data. Where actually they're only the data processors. Organizations still are the data controllers, meaning I have to tell AWS or whoever, uh, SaaS-based service that uh, I need you to delete these data sets or if there's a breach um, that both of us are actually liable and we need to go back to the customer consumer and say, hey, your personal data was breached. It's on both the data processor and controller, not just on one of them. So organizations really enter, need to understand not only the data that they control in their data centers, but also even for the SaaS service providers that they're using. And there's a whole data governance that needs to be wrapped around that to implement the policies and procedures for uh, from data retention models and creating that consent catalog that we had uh, talked about a little bit earlier. With uh, big data, the effort by nature is even bigger, uh, tracing back the data lineage to original sources, business owners, uh, is in many cases much easier said than done. No, it's it's definitely a, a tough technology problem. You can't just throw more pe- uh, people at this problem. You're you're going to have to uh, rethink how everything is architected and figure out how and where your data is, and if you need to be, uh, if you need to delete it, how are you going to do that? So that's very very interesting. So, you, you, like I mentioned before, you've spoken to a whole bunch of folks in the industry. Uh, where are the maturity levels you're currently seeing when you look across the industry around GDPR? Yeah, the majority of organizations I've talked to are in very early stages. Um, like you said, the uh, cooperation with legal is key. And, you know, there are many occasions they're waiting for their legal teams to understand and interpret uh, what it means for their specific organization, their compliance departments to actually produce and distribute um, the new policy and procedures. And then those for trickle down into each of the different departments and business owners to translate those into um, technical or people or process um, changes within the organization. So it's just starting to, at the top, where it's uh, starting to distribute it down to the uh, different people within the organizations. When I'm talking to the individual system owners, 
they're uh, they're really uh, kind of in a wait mode uh, for things to trickle down the majority of them. And this is really not a, a good sign. It's um, because it's going to, and many um, occasions, this is going to create challenges that are not going to be very quickly to implement. And the May date is coming along uh, very quickly. So uh, I do highly emphasize to these organizations that they need resources, they need the top level support from organizations for resources and time to uh, comply with this because they have a really good incentive, which is up to 4% of their annual revenue and if they're found in non-compliance. No, that's very true. It's it's just like the uh, cybersecurity world. As soon as there's a headline saying, you know, someone lost a whole bunch of money to GDPR, every single CEO out there is going to start digging into their GDPR compliance strategy. So that's that's great insight. So and here's a little curveball question for you in terms of, you know, percentage of organizations out there, you know, that you think are GDPI compliant today, where would you peg it? Do you think only, you know, less than 10% of people are, are GDPR compliant or, you know, 60%? Where, where do you uh, think the current penetration of GDPR compliance is uh, from your experience? Uh, definitely less than 10% of organizations. I mean, it'll vary uh, by country, like uh, Germany. Uh, I'd put them, you know, more than 50%, uh, even higher than that. Uh, but then you have organizations that maybe were in the U.S. before, and they would just, you know, wave their hands and say, well, we're not, we don't uh, have any consumer-facing services in uh, the EU but actually, through the new laws, it's uh, not just for EU citizens. I mean, uh, if you go to uh, the EU and you're you know, just there and using the service, you're, you're going to have the same protections. It's not just for EU citizens. So it's for everyone across the board. It's for the previous um, you know, territory boundaries where it was applicable, expanded. So you don't have to be a EU-based company, you can be a U.S.-based company, you don't have to be an EU citizen, you can be a U.S. citizen, and um, you don't have to, you know, it's, some, it's through this third parties as well. So maybe uh, while you're not directly working with a particular company, maybe directly, um, you can still go through that uh, vendor of your uh, provider and go to them directly and say, hey, I want my all the personal data that you have about me because my uh, vendor uses you, so, and I know that you have personal data about me, so I want you to hand it over. And there's a certain uh, time at, that you have to do that. You have to return that data. Or if that vendor has a breach, there's a 72-hour breach notification that needs to go out to that person and let them know that their personal data has been breached. And then the whole personal data definition has been expanded, including uh, things like IP addresses. So this whole thing makes it much more broader and makes the scope of getting there uh, a lot more uh, difficult. And like I said, um, less than 10% of organizations are there. And then um, where organizations are actually in compliance, many times the gap is just in the documentation accountability. They're actually doing it, but they don't, can't actually prove it. So they need to get to actually documenting and being able to prove to an auditor that they're doing it as well. Wow. No, that's that's great insights. I, I didn't realize it extended beyond just EU citizens. Uh, if you're if you're a U.S. citizen working with an EU company, you're, you're still under that protection. We're, we're all digital citizens now. Uh, so that's very, very interesting. Uh, so 
Eddie, uh, that was fantastic insights into GDPR and big data and compliance. Um, if you had one tip for our listeners uh, around, you know, maybe GDPR, compliance or data privacy or whatever it might be, uh, what would that tip be? So uh, I'd say it's a little bit bigger than one tip, but it's kind of all tied together is to know your data. So by know your data, identifying all personal data, educate and work with business owners uh, early on to understand where data is, how it's being used, and also doing it as soon as possible, uh, giving uh, your business owners ample time to remediate gaps. So, so uh, it all boils down to knowing your data and um, you'll, you'll be in a much better situation. Um, you know, letting things for go, uh, go on and time, it's only going to make it uh, more difficult to um, reach the deadline. Fantastic advice. Uh, thank you, Eddie. Uh, and, and for all those folks listening, you know, that's great advice. Uh, know your data. So thank you, Eddie, for, for joining us today. Um, really appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, speak with us. Oh, no problem. Thank you. And thanks to our audience for listening. We'd like to keep in touch on Twitter. So please follow Eddie at E-D-Y Garcia and Cloudera2 at Cloudera. And that's all, folks. My name is TJ Lair, and I look forward to hosting you next time on Cybersecurity On Call.